God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, that's an excuse my being a little rusty today. I haven't done a Western Bike service since I retired two and a half years ago. So finally, finally slipping into the Eastern Rite rhythm, and now I have to come back and readjust on the Western Rite rhythm. Uh, and if you don't know what I mean by rhythm, just pay attention to what you're doing and you'll recognize it. There's a different rhythm between each rite. You get into the flow of things and your prayers are going, and then you change rites and it's just chaos until you adjust to the other right. You get into the flow of things and you come back to the original way you started, and it's, it's shocking. It's like that in different parishes, too, by the way. So when you go to another parish and think something's not right, it's because the parish has its own rhythm, and you've adjusted to your parish's rhythm, but you have to adjust again. So it comes with the turf, so to speak. So I'm out of the rhythm and re readjusting back to the first rhythm I learned in orthodoxy. So in any case, we're doing pretty well, I think, so far. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with this team before, so they're, they're, quite, they're adjusting quite well in leading me along. You notice it's sort of like, like a cow by the nose when they come to ring in there and pull along. Thanks be to God. We heard in the gospel today the Lord say, beware of false prophets. There's an aspect of orthodox spirituality which is called discernment. Uh, and the statement, beware of false prophets, fits really into that whole concept of discernment. There are those out there, you look just at prophecy, who prophesy falsely. And when they do, they lead us away from God. There are many things said in the name of God. We hear it all the time. Uh, daughter and I were having a conversation recently about how could anyone believe someone like David Koresh? Or how could they believe someone like Jim Jones? Or any of the other number of people who are part of American history uh, who have led others astray? Uh, because they weren't discerning. They weren't discerning about what was said. And they took for truth for granted. So if someone speaks, and we assume that he speaks the truth. When I began my Christian journey in 1971, I say began my Christian journey, that's when I woke up and realized what, what, was, what following Christ required of me. I got so excited about being a Christian that the minute somebody else said, I'm a Christian, I got all the warm fuzzies, you know, and excited this is the person who understands what I'm growing I'm on. And I was sorely disappointed to find out that there were people out there who called themselves Christians who did not follow Christ, did not believe about Him correctly, did not do what He said, and tried to justify it for whatever reasons. When I went to seminary in the Episcopal Church, it was the same thing. So there, there is falseness, falsehood out there. And we have to be discerning. We can't take the truth for granted especially in this age in which we live. If you follow the data off the selectionary, uh, and you have noticed this week there are some lessons from Jeremiah. And I always love the story of Jeremiah, and I'm not going to talk to you about Jeremiah other than say, in this one of the particular lections uh, was the account where the Babylonians are threatening Jerusalem just prior to 586 B.C. And the people asked the prophets to come and speak to them the word of the Lord. 
And a whole group of prophets came one after another and said, all will be well. God will drive the Babylonians out of the country. So relax. Enjoy yourselves and fear not. Sounds good, doesn't it? God is all powerful. So it works, right? And then Jeremiah comes along and he says, they are false prophets. They are mistaken. You will be sold into bondage and the Babylonians will take you into captivity. And the people were so angry at him for speaking those words to them that they beat him mercilessly and threw him into prison. Beware of the false prophets. Who was the false prophet? Was it Jeremiah, as we know in hindsight? It was the truth. It was the other people who were portraying the truth falsely. Listen to what Scripture says to us just a few places. St. John the Evangelist. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. St. Paul to the Thessalonians, test all things, hold fast what is good. And to the Corinthians, he said, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Testing, beware, words that describe aspects of discernment. So what do I mean by this thing, this word, discernment? Discernment is a spiritual measurement of sorts. Of all things, whether they be of Christ, or be in harmony with what Christ has said, or whether they are not. Because you see, when we follow Christ, He is leading us in a certain direction. Uh, and we can't go any way we want to get in that direction. We must follow as He says. He leads us. And if we go some other direction, we go our own way. And we are off the path. And we will not arrive at eternity going our own way. It can only be on His terms. That's why this faith says we take up the cross. We deny ourselves and take up our crosses and follow Him. This means to let all of that go, away, go aside and do what He says. That is discernment to know which is what and which way we should go. This measurement includes, then, all statements about religion. You know, I hear people say, and it's tragic, that we and the Muslims believe the same thing because we believe in the unity of God. Well, I want to tell you that's not true. Because we believe that God is multiplicity and unity and holy trinity. And the Muslims say that anyone who believes that's going to hell. So we have different viewpoints. We do not believe the same things. We have some commonality in some aspects of belief. We don't believe the same things. We need to use discernment about that. Not everyone who comes to me saying, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, Christ said. What about theology and philosophy? I remember hearing people say, well, theology is something man-made nonsense. Theology means the teaching of and about God. What if Christ says, I am God, or I am He, and the Father and I are one, and anyone who comes to the Father comes to the Father by me, if He says those things, then that's not negotiable. And we need to discern when conversations are going on, especially when we're being drawn into them, uh, as to how we respond to them. Discern. What about morals and values? One of the great dangers for American Christians is, a, is the danger of allowing the media and our society to determine our moral values. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. The church has always been antagonistic to society. 
the way of Christ is different from the way of the world. And we need to know that and discern that. And when we hear the society around us making values and portraying values to us, we have to decide whether we're following the society or Christ. And you know, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty or anything, although we all need to feel guilty when we do something wrong. The fact of the matter is, we can go our own way. Maybe we should. We want to be honest with ourselves. But if we want to follow Christ, we have to see it and do it His way and discern what is according to those principles. Not everything is compatible with Christianity and the path of following Christ. There is deviant thinking out there deviations from the truth, and it separates us from the Lord of the universe. It's just like Adam in the beginning. God said, come, eat of the fruit, and he chose instead to do what he wanted to do. So how do we discern? You know, it's really funny, because the way of discerning, the path is never what we think it is. Well, a Protestant theologian once, a pastor and teacher once said, that following God was like hunting rabbits. Now, I don't, I've never hunted rabbits, so I don't know if this is true or not, but it's still a good analogy. No, he said that following God is like hunting rabbits. He said, you roust, you know where the, the, the lair is, and you roust them out, but instead of waiting for them to come out so you can shoot them, you turn around with your back, because they're going to turn this way and head that way, so you anticipate their movement. Uh, well, following God is sort of like that. He's going to take us where we are not, where we're not expecting to go. It will almost always be that way. Or he will take us where we are weak and we need to be strong. Or where we're, where we're sick and we need to be healed. That's where he'll take us. And many times that's the most painful and difficult way to go. But if it's God's way, it's the right way. And if that's God's way, then what are we gaining by going our way? And how many of our actions are not are leading us away from God's way into our own way? So we measure everything. How do we do that? According to Scripture, for one. But we are not a Bible-only church. It's actually something greater than that. I mentioned the second. According to the church's theology, and the church's teaching, and you get a lot of that in the Nicene Creed. Every time we say that creed, we are reiterating our doctrine of God, our doctrine of Christ, our doctrine of the Blessed Virgin Mary, our doctrine of salvation, our doctrine of redemption, our anthropology, our soteriology, our ecclesiology. Did you know that? inundated with it, shaped and formed. And we have two choices. We can believe it and judge everything by it. And I don't mean judge in the negative sense, but measure. Or we can do as we used to say in the Episcopal Church, jokingly among the clergy, cross your fingers when you say it. Meaning you don't really mean it, but we got to say it. Put on a cross our fingers. Measure it by the church's theology. Measure it against the can measure everything against the canons of the church. Do you know the canons of the church? Well, probably not. Unless you're just one of those sacristy rats, we call them, that kids have to learn all these things. Uh, I would, I'm not calling the deacon a sacristy rat, by the way. I just figured he understood the term, and so I, I learned to him. There are some people who are so absorbed in the church that from a very young age, they're, they're learning all these things. We call them jokingly sacristy rats. They've, they've dug their way through everything in the life. So the canons are there, but you live by the canons even if you don't know it because your priests and your clergy live by the canons, and they understand them. And believe me, if we don't, Bishop Basil will make sure we do. We live by the canons, and they form and shape us. We live by the writings of the saints. 
You know, the Orthodox liturgy is replete with statements from the saints that are in here, in, this, in the liturgies, uh, that we don't even know are there. We just take for granted. And yet they shape us and form us. They help us learn to discern, to see. We are shaped and formed by the liturgy of the church, which is the same way as I've already mentioned. And we can measure these things against the liturgy of the church. Do you know that during the Russian, after the Russian Revolution, during the 70 years that communism reigned in Russia, uh, it was illegal for a priest, at least for a long period of time, a priest or anyone related to, to the church, to teach the faith or to preach sermons because they didn't want these ideas getting out there and disseminating upon the people. But interestingly enough, they thought there's nothing wrong with letting them do their liturgies. Those are innocuous, aren't they? And so the Russians did the liturgy, sometimes repeating parts two and three times. Because the Orthodox liturgy is so filled with truth and doctrine and teaching and morals and canons and values and the lives of the saints, it forms and shapes us even when we don't even know it. And so in the Protestant world in America, you may, some of you may remember this, when the Soviet Union collapsed, there was all kinds of talk about sending missionaries in there to teach them the faith because there was no Christianity in Russia. And guess what? They came out of the woodwork, those people who showed up just for church and no sermons and no teaching. Is it not a statement of the truth that in orthodoxy today, the two largest orthodox bodies are what? Russia and Romania. Isn't that interesting? So much for the success of communism. Those people, though, discerned the truth in, in what was taught in the church and in the liturgy, and they came to it. So it's, it's to conclude what is not in conformity with the truth. And having done so, to strive to alter what is within us or in our reaction to it so that we may follow Christ faithfully. St. Paul said to the Corinthians, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience to Christ. Every thought, everything must be his. Every thought, every action. And thank God he leaves repentance in there so when we fail and we do, we can correct it straighten it out. So how do we learn to do this? Because it makes it sound like just some ominous task. What's the road to, to discernment? <laughs> and we think of something really difficult. Well, it is, but it isn't. To, to learn discernment is to immerse ourselves in the faith, the things that we're supposed to do on a daily basis. Prayer. If we do our prayer work faithfully, day by day, hour by hour, however our rule is set up, we will begin to be shaped and formed into the image and likeness of Christ to such a degree that we will know darkness when it comes near us. Repentance and confession. Notice I said and confession. We should be doing both all the time. Repentance daily, or at least once a week. And confession, however our priest tells us or our spiritual fathers tell us to do. Those things shape and conform us to the image of Christ. Take away the things of the world from us and help our souls begin to heal so that we can discern light from darkness. What about tithing and almsgiving? Uh, that's where everybody starts squirming. Uh, because in America, you know, you, you, you give to charity when you got something left over. But in the Christian faith, we give to God first. And then we 
relish and use and cherish what he has left us with, and we learn to work within those means. That is a given. As we learn to do that, we become transformed. And for some of you, those of you who may have learned to do this well, you know what happens. We begin to see everything differently, and discernment emerges. What about the sacraments? The communion, uh, confession as a sacrament, unction, the healing sacrament. Use those things. They change us. They change us, so that's what we want. We will learn discernment through the transformation that occurs in our souls. And reading, the Lexio Divina, the Western Rite concept of holy reading, everybody should be reading daily scripture or patristic writings or something of the faith. Sit down with the mass and read the liturgy prayers. They, they will transform us. We should do that. If we do those little things, our inner beings are transformed and discernment begins to emerge as we become formed and shaped according to the life and gifts of God. That's what discernment is. So listen to those words that we've heard today. Beware. There is false teaching out there, and our work is to make sure we respond to it properly. Discern the things that are of God and the things that are not. That's our work. It's not wrong to be discerning. In America, they say that's judgmentalism. No, it isn't. It's calling a spade a spade. It's either the card or it's, it's not the right card. <laughs> got to call the truth what it is. It means to discover the truth about God. And ultimately for us, not just the truth about God. Here's the key. To discover God himself. Come unto me, all you trivials. Not come unto a doctrinal system. Come unto me. That's what discernment does. It frees us from the obstacles and brings us to Christ himself. So when he says, beware of false prophets, that's what he's telling us. When we come to this place, and to this altar, and to this holy church, and to this fellowship, and to the celebration of these sacraments, and these hymns, and this tradition that is 3,000 years old, if we include its Jewish origins, and even more so, that's what we come to. And it extends into eternity, calling us to it. So beware of false prophets, piddly little things that would take us away from this great treasure, and instead turn to Christ. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, 